it is a real honor uh to host this session um slightly i'm honestly slightly daunted hosting with these two big guns here next to me um Paul said, will you host a worship conversation? I said, yes, okay, I'll try. Um, my name is Nigel, and I'm uh, a, a pastor, a pastor of Winchester Vineyard, and been involved in worship for a long time as well. Um, we have two of our main conference speakers here, Adam and Harvey. Um, and so how this is going to work is I'm going to invite each of them just to introduce themselves a little bit and tell us about themselves, but a little, tell us specifically about some of their heart and passion for worship, um, and where that takes them and what they do and what they do about that. And then we'll jump in with some other questions. I've got a few questions, um, and it may be that we have time uh, to take a few questions from you guys towards the end as well. We'd love to do that, just to get, get into a bit of a, a dialogue. Is that cool? Shall I pray for us? And then we'll jump in. So, Father, thank you for all that you're already doing uh, in our midst this weekend. What an honor and a privilege to gather um, in this way and to be envisioned and to be equipped and to be empowered and to have you speak to us and Lord for this session now those of us who are and many of us put our hands up earlier when Beth asked those of us who are involved in the worship ministries of our churches um, those of us who are called uh, to lead and be involved in helping to lead worship uh, Lord for this session would you come and lead us and by your Holy Spirit take this conversation the way that you want it to go so that we can hear from you in a way that encourages us and challenges us uh, and equips us uh, as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, guys, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, as I said, I don't know who wants to start. Uh, Harvey, why don't you start? Uh, we've heard a little bit about you this morning and, and some of your heart generally for, uh, for, for the church worldwide as it comes to cross-cultural mission and, and all sorts of stuff. But tell us just a little bit about your story and, and how it relates to worship and, sure, and, and yeah. things. Hello. Um, again, Harvey uh, Kwiani. You know I'm from Malawi, uh, which means, of course, I'm African. Um, I've journeyed around the world, uh, lost count of places I've lived, uh, but spent, I think the longest time until now, still in, in Minneapolis uh, and St. Paul in Minnesota. <coughs> I, I'm a theologian. I, I, I teach theology. I teach African theology mostly. That's my focus. Um, that means I'm working with Christians most of the times. I'm working with uh, church leaders. Uh, those are the people that I train. And, and one of the issues that's come out in the past few years in, in, in the context of my work is simply the reality that uh, I'm now involved in training pastors from different parts of the world doing their training in even in different languages with different flavors. And, and in that context, it's become very clear to me that um, worship is always understood culturally, right? That, um, and, and, and we could say that about music. Growing up in Malawi, it was reggae morning to evening, all day. We just listened to reggae. Uh, when I found myself in Switzerland and nobody knew about anything about reggae, I just couldn't understand it. Like, what? <laughs> Uh, how, how can you live in this world without knowing reggae, right? <laughs> and, 
and 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 then found myself in in Minneapolis, uh, where the the young people that I hang out with, uh, the church that I planted, uh, one of one of our young guys was a, was a rapper, right, uh, a rap a Spanish rapper. So we would intentionally mix um, typical vineyard worship music with uh, with African flavors, uh, some reggae and some rap and some Spanish. And that just created something really beautiful that I think um, speaks to speaks into this conversation today. So that's that's where I come from when I think about worship in in the context of this world today is a bit of that. Uh, that God has deposited around the world and brought us together as a vineyard movement. We have access to all that. We can make use of that, and, and that will make us a better part of the body. That's awesome. Is any of that music recorded? Because I would love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll check with the guys to see if, if, if they still have it. I love the idea of vineyard worship and rap, Spanish rap and reggae. If it isn't produced, it should be soon. <laughs> Adam, you're in charge of producing and recording music in America. <laughs> Correct. So, um, thank you, Harvey. What, ha Adam, Adam, same question to you, really. Just tell us a little bit about your story and, and as it relates to worship, particularly. We know you have a, as well as being a pastor, you, you oversee all of uh, vineyard worship in the US, which is honestly an amazing and probably crazy job from... Well, from where, I, where I'm looking from, but, but amazing. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so uh, my name is Adam. I think I've seen a lot of your faces. Um, and I live in Kentucky, and I pastor a church there. But in addition to that, just like uh, was said, I give some leadership to Vineyard Worship in the U.S. Uh, in case you didn't know, uh, Vineyard Worship UK and Vineyard Worship U.S., they're like technically separate, but we do a ton of stuff together, right? And which we could talk about later. But uh, what we do is, uh, I will just say this, sort of my contribution to worship is less on the worship leading side. I led worship for about 10 years before I became a pastor. But the thing that was maybe even deeper than that for me was always songwriting. I was always a songwriter. Um, I'm a Gen X kid. I grew up with Nirvana. Very DIY. We just, we wanted to stick it to the man every time we could, you know. And that, that happened when I became a Christian, too, because essentially what happened is, is uh, I became a Christian, I started going to church, and I was like, we will not play these stupid worship songs, we will write our own. <laughs> Which, that's a very Gen X attitude, and it's not a great attitude, uh, but it's a helpful attitude sometimes. And because of that, um, my friends and I, we all became songwriters very accidentally living in the middle of central Kentucky. And then I became a pastor in the vineyard, and even while I was a pastor in the vineyard, I kept one foot in the vineyard worship world. And what I did is for about, oh, probably seven or seven and a half years, I just traveled the U.S. and uh, a, good, a good number of places in South America, too, just training local churches to have a culture of songwriting. Not how to train a person to be a songwriter, but how do we have a culture of songwriting happen at a local church? So I spent about seven years doing that, and then God invited me to take over uh, some leadership in vineyard worship. I told Phil Strout no six times, and then Dan Wilk called me one day and says, why won't you obey your bishop? And it felt like a word from the Lord. Does anybody here know Dan? And, and I was like, okay, I relent. So uh, I said yes, and that was about three years ago, and I've been working with Casey, Melissa, Mike O'Brien, and then by extension, 
I've been working with uh, uh, Jimmy and Harmony here, and it's been really good. It's been really good. So that's a little bit of my story. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, I would just love to know, uh, th there's obviously some stuff to dig into there, and um, we'll get there in a moment. I'd just love to learn a little bit more about you guys. Um, and so I've got a question for both of you, which is, can you just tell us about perhaps a a really significant or memorable worship experience that you have been involved in. It may have been in a cross-cultural way or not. Um, just and, and what made it significant and what impact did that have on you? Do you have any stories you can share with us? Harvey, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, there are quite a few stories. Um, so one that really stands out for me is, uh, this is back home, in Malawi, um, we we Malawi is is made up of several tribes, ethnic communities, and and we generally mix uh, without without even thinking about it. We we, we just mix, and when we get together, um, there will be different expressions of 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 worship according to who is there, right? So. Songs are mixed, uh, and and growing up, growing up in Malawi, you have at least to speak three Malawian languages, right? So you will sing songs from one language, from another, from another, and it's just it's just normal. It's just life. We we did that as a group of uh, young uh, ministers some twenty years ago, or so uh, and just stumbled upon it. Not necessarily they planned it, but it gathered together for a worship session. The Holy Spirit shows up, uh, and we had to either it, it was so intense, so massive that we we ended up leaving the room because there was nothing else we could do. Right? God has showed up. Um, people are laying on the floor. Uh, it's so intense. It feels like there's electric shock in the air. Mm -hmm. Right? And and God does that. I mean, God. That's that's how zapping happens. Right. Correct. Uh, and, and <laughs> but yeah, uh, just 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 the way that God responds to worship sometimes, right? Of course, we we enjoy intercession, we enjoy all these things, but but oftentimes, it's it's just worship that that gets God to come down, and when He comes down, let Him do whatever He wants, and and so He came down in this in this in this night of prayer in a mighty way that stayed with me forever. It's like, it's that intense. It takes me back to Exodus 19, when, when the fire comes down on the mountain and, and you, you don't dare get close to it, right? But, but it's worship. It's, it's God responding to worship. I think that that's how, that's how we, we get God to move. Right, um, I, I I I do tell a joke about wrestling with my friends, uh, and this is this is back in Minnesota. We're trying to do evangelism, and we're talking about we're talking about worship in the context of evangelism, which doesn't really make sense. But we're talking about how this could be the story behind actually the the beginning of the vineyard. That when you begin to talk to tell to God how good God is to you, when you speak to when you begin to address God. Uh, it's the the vineyard at the beginning. It was really just a discovery that when we say to God, "You are good," God responds, right? 
and and so in 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 that talking about let's we, let's let's talk to let's talk to god uh let's let's address god uh, and a friend some a friend comes to me and says does your god have an ego problem that you always have to tell him how good he is how wonderful he is <laughs> right <laughs> and my response was actually when we do that that's when we see god respond that's how we see god move and that has stayed with me that uh God responds to worship. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I think you might have just answered this question. There may be some more to say. When you have an experience like that, where somehow, some way, we are worshiping perhaps the same way as we worship often, but something happens very powerfully like that. Um, what What do you think that's about? Do you think it? Do you think that? You're, we're just doing it better this time, uh, or do you think there's something about faith in people's hearts? Is there anything that we that we could even I don't want to use this word, but programatize, do again to to recreate those conditions, or is it just the grace of God? Like, do you have a, do you have any thoughts on that? Because if we could all have those kind of meetings, I mean, we probably couldn't handle it, but. If we could, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? And sometimes those experiences stay with us and it's a really precious time. And I guess for worship leaders, I'm just like, that's what I want to happen. Mm. Like, I think probably every time I lead worship or <laughs> I think that would be the goal. Uh, speaking to Westerners, so. <laughs> but But this whole thing is about the spirit, right? The spirit of God. Yes. That's that's what it is about. Even non-Christians um, know that there's a spirit order there. It's 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 only Westerners who, who who don't know about the spirit world. But but for the rest of the world, you don't need to be a Christian to understand that there's a spirit world, right? And you don't need to be a Christian to understand that when you do something, the spirit world responds in a certain way. Right? Um, that's why they will be shamans and sangomas and, and, and people who, rainmakers, people who will do these things without the Christian faith and, and, and make things happen. Right? I mean, we see, we see that over and over in the Bible. Now, um, in the context of Christian worship, of course, uh, we're worshiping the Father, uh, but we know that God is spirit. Right? And, and we know that God. God's spirit responds to certain things. Worship is one of them, right? Um, I think a key to this is just being sensitive to what the spirit is doing, right? That sometimes um, the spirit is doing this and you're trying to do that and, and you just, just doesn't align. So it, it calls us back to really, and, and I'm saying this with utmost hope, humility it's really just paying attention to what the spirit is doing what's happening in the spirit atmosphere right uh and 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 then responding accordingly i i, I do tell a joke uh, just we I, this is this is birmingham i'm i'm hanging out with uh, my white british baptist pastor friends mm -hmm. And we, we're doing Bible study. We go to Matthew 16. 
Matthew 16, Jesus takes the, the disciples out uh, to Caesarea Philippi. And when they get there, Jesus asks them, who do people say I am, right? And the, and, and the people are like, you know, some say you are Jeremiah, you are the prophet, you are this, you are that. And then he turns around and says, who do you say I am? Talking to the, 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 the disciples. And so they look at one another and, and Peter comes up with an answer and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And Jesus says, blessed are you, uh, for this has not come to you from flesh and blood. It's the spirit that's revealed this. You have been able to hear the spirit speaking. You have been able to hear the father speaking. Changes everything. Right after that, Jesus begins to talk about the cross. This is three years into the journey, right? And it's taken him three years to get the dis one of the disciples to hear the Spirit. And I think that's, that's, that's what our worship should do. That's what all discipleship should do. Really getting people to a place where they can hear the Spirit speaking. And when they hear the Spirit, obey and respond. Does that, that answer your question? That re that's very profound and very deep. Thank you. That's a fantastic answer. I guess, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. I have nothing to add. No, to I, I didn't. I didn't think you would. <laughs> Harvey's killing it. I know. I know. So I'm going to ask you a question to follow up on that, right? Which Great. is this. So we. Um, so I've been in the vineyard 30 years, um, and uh, I would say that in the last 20 or so, um, particularly probably since the advent of the internet, um, the there we've gone from a place where worship was some songs that we sang in our churches that were vaguely contemporary mm -hmm. and the vineyard had a, a vision to do worship that sounded a bit like the music you hear on the radio mm -hmm. although it never really was quite that good because <laughs> but but you know was that was the aim um and we've gone from a place where worship was that to it's now a global industry mm -hmm. uh with every song available in a 20 minute youtube version uh it, you know <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> a nine-minute YouTube version. Um, but, but you know, you know, worship has, like, I was involved in a, a recording uh, 20 years ago, uh, 21 or two years ago, an album called Hungry. And at that time, we didn't, it didn't go on the internet. We sold CDs. And it sold like the most CDs any worship album has ever sold at the time. It was like, I don't know. 80,000 or something or 90,000 which was it felt massive at the time and they were great songs and they were big songs and yet we've gone from a place where from from where that was a big that was a thing uh to a place where worship is like this global commodity and I guess my question and I'm aiming this at you Adam although Harvey you're welcome to jump in as well is because you're you're overseeing vineyard worship that's had to go through a massive transition in terms of how we do business, what, you know, what the focus is. How do we stay focused on that stuff, the stuff that Harvey was just talking about, the let's get in the room and just give our best to God and hope and trust and pray that the Spirit will come because that's what this is about. In the midst of this global phenomenon, uh, you know, multi-million pound industry that is the worship industry that we have to kind of exist in as well. Yeah. That's a long question, but I hope you... Sorry, hope yeah, you that's, a, that's a long question, but it's an important question. And I think, I think the, the great thing is, at least from my end, 
there's no one pointing at me saying, you know, Adam, what we need to do is we, we need you to make vineyard worship the biggest global entity. You know, so the good news for, so the good news is is no one's saying, you know, oh, unless it's that, then we haven't done our thing. Right? You know, so the people around me, like Phil and Jan Strout, Jay and Danielle Pathak, and the people who are on the board, that's not the goal. The goal is like, how can we love Jesus? How can we raise up disciples who look and sound like Jesus? How can we give Jesus uh, his, his glory and his honor that he is due? And the other things just have to take care of themselves. They just have to. I mean, we want to do good business. We want to be smart. We want to let people know about our music. We will post about it on Instagram. But this idea that we have to do world domination in order for God to be glorified is like, that, that's really toxic. And it, it changes you. It, 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 can be a, it can be a mind and a heart poison because all of a sudden you're, you're changing decisions or you're making different values. You know, the thing I never want to do is I never want to be in a room with someone and telling them, you know, you're a great worship leader. What I need you to do is like, go get whiter teeth. The record will sell better. You know, I, you're a great worship leader. I, if you would get a better haircut, it would really help us. I mean, we laugh, but these are, but if we, if we go for this other end that you're, that you're talking about, this global commodity, I'll use your words back to you, right? Like if we lean so far on that, all of a sudden these other values begin to drive the bus and, and that bus goes to a place we do not want to, we do not want to go. So um, I think for me, the good news is, is that our call and, and, and our mission, and I'll just speak for the Vineyard uh, Worship in the U.S., we, we feel called to do four things. Number one, gather worship leaders that there might be fraternity, that there might be connection and, and fellowship together because you need people to be on the journey. Number two, uh, we want to train worship leaders. We want to train them to do uh, their instruments and to sing, but we also want to, want to train hearts to do things like forgiveness and uh, to let go of competition and to support other people. Like you have to train that as well. Uh, number three, we want to document the best of what's happening in the vineyard, meaning like songs. Things that are bubbling up, we want to find the, the songwriters that God is putting his hand on and we want to encourage them and make a place for them because artists have a place in God's church. And then number four, we want to inspire. And by inspire, I just mean we want to remind people of the call that they received because if you do this long enough, life has a way of beating forgetfulness into your heart and you need someone to remind you of what you're doing and why you're here. So for me, that's it, right? And then, you know, commercial success, whatever that means, well, that's for someone else to decide. I mean, here's the truth. Every, every worship movement and every even church movement has a bit of a bell curve to it. You know, we were at the peak and now we're, we're on the backside of this again. Will there be another peak sometime? I think there'll be another little, another little jump. But are we ever going to be world, world dominators? Probably not. Probably not. And that's okay. I don't think that's what God is asking of us right now. Do we have something to give to the world? Yes. Yes, the vineyard has a gift for the world. And some of what we're actually leading the world in right now is very interesting, you know? Um, it's just very, if I can just take one more second. I was going to say, what, just to, tell us what you think that is. Articulate, and I'd love this to hear the well, and I think it may even go. I, may, I think it may well, even go with some of the things if, that Har Harvey's the, already mentioned. If the vineyard has something unique to bring, how would you define or describe that? Uh, a few things. Uh, n number one, just our, like our old school values of humility and no hype, Guys, this is a big deal. Like not hyping the situation is a really, really big deal. Um, it, God is, it, 
Harvey's already said this. God is a spirit. Like he can do things and he, he doesn't need us to like gin up a moment. In fact, that takes us out of authenticity, right? It takes us into this thing called manipulation, you know? Um, and so this vineyard value of humility and no hype, really big deal. But then like currently right now, and I'll just speak for the U.S. And I know that this is beginning to uh, find its expression here in the U.K. as well. But like one of the things I think that the, the vineyard is beginning to give the world again in a new way. Uh, in the last three years, we started to write and produce some songs that are bilingual, meaning they're not translations, right? So we've done, we've done a few bilingual Spanish songs. So the English was always in English. The Spanish was always in Spanish. And Tina Williams on one of the songs has English words rhyming with Spanish. It's sick, right? Like, what is more modern than that? It's the most modern thing. And, um, and uh, I, I think this is one of the ways that the Spirit is moving in us and moving through us. And we're going we're gonna to do that more because, like, in the U.S., l- l- there are so many Latin uh, and Hispanic pastors, and they've come over, and maybe the, the Hispanic pastors, especially if you're first generation, Spanish is still your native language, but your children are going to English school and language is, is more transferred peer-to-peer than it, than it is even mother, to, mother and father to, to son and daughter. And so the kids are growing up with Spanish-speaking parents, but going to English-speaking school and then going to church, and then you're getting this weird mix. And so we actually need songs that are bilingual, right? So I think that's one thing. And then again, uh, just recently in the Vineyard U.S., we've been leaning into Vineyard Soul. Why? Because we have black and brown people in the vineyard now in the U.S. And it's, it's not aspirational, it's, it's actual. And they come from urban environments. People like Tina Williams and Gino Allison and Ted Kim. And there's a thing in the gospel section of the vineyard in Chicago. It's real. Like Chicago is a hotbed for black gospel. And we have, we have vineyard churches in Chicago and they should sound like gospel, you know? And so I think that's a thing that we're, that we're seeing uh, happen and what's interesting is the vineyard was doing this way before Maverick City. Maverick City's bigger, but the vineyard was doing that seven years ago, right? And uh, we were doing bilingual. We started doing bilingual worship tunes a few years ago, and I noticed that some of the other big worship movements recently, in the last like two months, just started doing like some Spanish and bilingual stuff. And it's like the Spirit of God is always telling us what to do. To Harvey's point, we just have to listen to the Spirit. So and I'll shut just, up now. Just one more. No, it's okay. One more thing. The, what prompted, just really practically, what was the journey towards producing bilingual songs? Uh, like, it's, you're not doing that because it's new and potentially commercially viable. I'm just, I'm just emphasizing the point here. Yeah. But you're doing it because the Spirit of God is doing something. What, yeah. How did you get there? And did, you, did it take a lot of convincing for some people? No, it took no convincing because the nice thing is, is that I just get to make that decision, uh. right? <laughs> Me, my team and I get to make that decision. So was somebody already writing them and using them in their church? Or no. was so it on this, done deliberately from... Yes, right. so on the bilingual thing, in, okay, so bilingual, this particular situation was very unique. Uh, we, we gathered a small handful of songwriters in New York City and we spent four days in Hell's Kitchen, and it, it occurred to me while we were writing, like on the third day, Casey and I realized, oh, Tina Williams is here. She is, she is this Latin boss woman of a singer. And Ted Kim, who is Korean, but who is fluent in Spanish, is here. And I said, guys, could, 
could, because I keep running into our Lavinia people when I go to pastors' conferences, right? Just say what that is for those of us who don't uh, know. It's just, here. it's uh, Lavinia is uh, vineyard churches that are Hispanic. They call them Lavinia. So I would so run, in, run into... Latin, uh, Spanish speaking. Yes, right. yeah, okay. or, you know, at least predominantly Spanish, right. Okay. right? So I would run into Lavinia pastors and we would have this conversation. And one of the things that always happened in these conversations is they would come to me and they would be like, oh... This translation is X, Y, Z. And then I would, I would talk to a Costa Rican pastor and they would be like, this translation is X, Y, Z. And then I would talk to, you know, another pastor from Mexico and he'd be like, this translation is X, Y, Z. And one of the things I realized is because we've done so much translating, which is fine. Um, number one, we're not really pulling in the heart of the culture because we're just taking English songs and putting them back into brown communities. But then also translations like... They always miss each other, like especially even in the Spanish world. The Spanish world is so diverse. And so I was like, hey, what if we just write some songs that are not translations, but the Spanish is the Spanish is the Spanish and the English was always the English. Let's just see what happens. And to your point, no, they're not commercially viable. You're not going to make a million dollars on this. But I think it's the spirit. I just want to say, um, as somebody who lives in probably the whitest part of England, (laughs) but somebody who's always for 30 years been into black music mm. right personally my own style i am so excited i was so excited to hear vineyard soul yeah. I, I felt like it was a 30-year journey waiting to happen for me personally mm. having been in the vineyard so long my dilemma with those songs is i'm like can i i was literally looking listening to that song what's it called the um the uh the one she does i can't remember anyway one of the songs uh is it off the new record yeah Roll Like a River? Oh, I can't. No, no, no. Actually, it's not that. Heaven's it's, Work. No, those songs are great. Never mind. Never okay. mind. We should have this conversation over coffee. We will. Um, I was literally trying to think, could I do this? I don't even speak Spanish. Like, oh. I don't even know how to say it. Like, but oh, I would. Familia. I, but but uh, familiar. That's it. That's the one. I want to oh. sing the song in my church. And then I'm like, everyone's just going to look at me and go, no, Nigel, that's really weird. Anyway. <laughs> Harvey, what would you say to all of that? What have you got to contribute to this? Because there's something really precious about this multicultural dimension. You, you, you talked about it earlier in your own church context. You know, how can we continue to uh, reflect the diversity that we're seeing? How can we be more intentional as worship leaders, songwriters? You know, what do you have to... What yeah, thoughts have you got there? I have always argued that the vineyard has something to give to the world. Um, from Africa, I always say Af- the vineyard has something to give to Africa, and and this could be it, right? This uh, ability to fuse several genres of music, um, several languages, and, and create worship. This this could be the thing. This could be the thing that the world is waiting for from us. Um, so yeah, let's 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 lean on and and, and see where God will take us. Uh, I I was struck by the question about. Um, how 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 to do this in a world that's uh, always pushing us towards commercialization? Mm. Okay. Uh, so I, I I go back to to you know what's the spirit doing? What is God doing? Right? Uh, and we work with that. But sometimes and oftentimes and and this goes back to to Adam's sermon yesterday, the seed. Sometimes God does starts this big thing in in a way that doesn't look big at all. Right, um, and and a very good example of of that is Jesus Christ growing up in Nazareth of all places. 
right uh, in this backyard um, village of of the country where probably nothing good can come uh, come out of right and starting a movement that would change the world there are, there are 2.3 2.4 billion of us today starting with in that context just doesn't make sense right and and so and why am i saying that um watch out for the times that god god is taking you through pay attention to what the spirit of god is leading you towards um and that that should be your only focus sometimes it will take you in in into hidden places right and and when you're in in such places it's just the place for you to deepen your roots dig deeper right learn more of what god wants you to do and and when 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 the time comes when god wants to reveal you he will reveal you and if he wants to reveal you um whatever whatever he does is is god right so let's do that uh, on on the on the cultural music front as i said all, all our everything about our faith is conditioned by our cultures right so uh, and 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 our mu- the music genres that we listen to are also conditioned by our cultures the things that we respond to right uh, uh, somebody once joked and said uh, the music that you listen to at 19 is the music that stays with you and maybe that's why i still listen to reggae <laughs> <laughs> but we all we all come from different places with different likes what would it look like if when we get together there is space for us to celebrate authentically those gifts right that the south africans among us can actually do something south african give them a drum and 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 give them boots and they'll dance and they'll do whatever they want to do right and we can let the asians do whatever god has trained them what god has given them in their culture to do and it is only when we get there that this thing comes out with its authenticity and the spirit is a spirit of truth right it it doesn't honor fake things it's it's getting there and 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 you see the spirit come down thank you that's really powerful i'm i'm just gonna ask, i've got one more question then i'm going to throw it open if people have some questions my question is is many of you put your hands up uh just show me again who here is involved in either leading or part of the worship ministry of the church or making worship happen that's a lot of people my question for you guys, thank you, is for most of us involved in worship ministries, it's a case of showing up on Sunday morning or whenever and working and, and, and most of us don't get to do things like be on stages here and that kind of stuff. My question is, for those of us who are serving our churches in our worship teams, what, in your eyes, does success look like? Uh, I'm not talking about commercial success or fame, but what does kingdom success look like and what should we be aspiring to uh, in terms of what we do or how we do it? Um, in terms of the everyday or every week, you know, week on week, Sunday uh, worship experience that most of us here are involved in um, curating or helping to happen some way. Do you want to go jump in, Adam? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's for me this is pretty basic and it's just give away the things you have right it's just discipleship stuff so whatever it is that you have look for someone else to give it away to and 
you know, my, my longstanding little soapbox is go to middle school. There are middle school boys and girls at your church right now. Like if you want to have a drummer for the next four years, go find a boy in ninth grade because they have time and they're hungry. And if you're, if you're 19 or if you're in your early twenties, like a, like a 14 year old boy or a 13 year old girl thinks you're the coolest thing in the universe. They actually have time to work on their instrument. They actually have time to, to, to learn something. Uh, they, would, they, would, they would come to your house and jam with you every day, right? And so I would say find someone else to pass along the thing that you've been given. Like, what, like kind of the thing that God has most given me in, in the area of music is, is songs or songwriting. And so that's what, I, that's what I want to do. I just want to pass on to songwriters. Encouragement, but then also just, just help and just a, a few things and... And, and giving people sort of a mindset for what it means to be a songwriter long term and how to go from writing one song a year to writing 20 or 30 songs a year, how to be more prolific, how to like dig deeper and that kind of thing. Like that's what I have to give away. Other people in this room have other things to give away. Uh, everybody in this room has something to give away. And so I think success is like reproducing yourself. Like if you were to be gone, can someone carry on with what you do, right? I think that's, that's kingdom success. So little question. Not with just I'm just interested. How many people are, are doing that right now? Just wave your hand. If you've got somebody in your team who's younger than you or less experienced than you that you are somehow trying to bring along a bit, just wave your hand at me. Yeah. Great. Amen. Good. That's good. Bless you. For the rest of you, there's an interesting challenge to go and pray about. Harvey, you got anything to yeah, add? I mean, which is what leads us back to something I said earlier. Who are you discipling? All right. Are you discipling somebody? I. I do think that we all need to have at least one person that we are discipling, right? So let's go back to that. Um, and, and then uh, success, really at the end of the day is, have you been faithful to what God has given you, what God has called you to do, right? Um, have you followed the spirit? Amazing. Yeah. Well, you've heard the quality of uh, thought that we're getting from these guys so I just want to we've got 10 or 15 minutes who has a question that you would love to throw at us or throw at them uh, for the benefit of the tape I will repeat it so that people who are listening later can hear it's not a tape it's probably not a tape <laughs> that's just me showing it's definitely my, a tape that's just we're <laughs> handing out tapes y'all that's me showing my age right you first then you then you over here go for it mate Just the question is, how do you help people on the journey of songwriting uh, who have got creativity but don't necessarily have musical gifting or ability? They, they assume that they can't write songs because they're not musical. Yeah, I actually think that's really hard. <laughs> so, I mean, can, can a, can a non-musical person be a songwriter? Sure. Is it likely? No. So, I, I, would, I would not go working with that person first, right? I would go find your musicians who want to write songs, who can play a little tiny bit of piano or a little tiny bit of guitar first, right? I mean, of course, there's an Elton John and Bertie Toppin combo somewhere out there, but that's, that, that, would be the, that would be the most difficult thing to do, you know? Um, and for people who are not musicians, uh, can you write songs? Sure, but you, you gotta have a great musician in the room somewhere. There's gotta be an accompanist. And then the person who's not, um, who's not a musician, who's maybe wanting to write songs, that person needs to be a very free person, 
Like we almost have to go into pop writing styles. Like you need someone sitting at a piano and the person who's like writing, who's maybe not necessarily musical, needs to be free enough to be able to like just begin to sing melodies into a room, maybe with two or three people and, and not be super self-critical or self-judgmental. That, that, takes, that takes something extra that a beginner sometimes doesn't have. You know what I'm saying? I've, no, I've done songwriting sessions like that. Sarah Elmer is one of the best at that in the world. Like we could just throw a beat on and, and somebody could play like two chords on a piano and she will just start singing things, right? Just singing, singing, singing. And I'll, I'll just get behind her and start working with lyrics. But yeah, that takes more. That probably wouldn't be the place I'd start. That doesn't even mean I'm right either. You can prove me wrong. Yeah. Okay. Anybody, uh, somebody over here had a question. Yeah, go for it. So you're saying that songwriting is, you've, you're on a journey of songwriting, you've got a group set up, there's trust as well as the vulnerability that's inevitable, but you're asking for advice on how you do that with other groups outside of your yeah, so other church, vineyards. other vineyard churches, other groups, uh, writing across uh, different genres. I think this is really simple. It's just friendship. Where are your friends? Write with your friends. Yeah, who, who are your friends in the vineyard? Who are your friends in this room? Tap two of them and say, hey, would you like to write songs with me for a month? Done. You know? And then invariably, other people get added to that, like, really naturally. I, that's the way community always kind of happens. Like, it's just friendship. So just, just go, you know what? I've never written with this person. They're a friend. Let's just go there. Cool. Do you yeah. want to add uh, and, and maybe be intentional about finding somebody from a different culture. And, and let them work with you on writing something that brings several cultures together. Love that. Great. Somebody over here had a question. Yeah, go for it. So the question is about what, have you got anything to say into worship that isn't necessarily sung worship? So uh, outside of the vineyard, people think of worship as some different things. Mm -hmm. What do you guys have to contribute to that? Oh, yeah, that's a big question. Um, yes, uh, and, and, and I agree with you. Um, what we what we call worship sometimes is it's just the music, right? There has to be music to be worship. But worship is, is bigger than that. Um, worship, I mean, could be just a lifestyle, could be, could be something that, that happens without music. The, 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 the declaration, God, you're faithful, That's right? Great. That's worship, right? Uh, and that doesn't necessarily need somebody to be in, on, on a piano and drums to, to enable you to say, God, you're faithful. Right, and it's just so it's just integrating that into your life, right? That um, uh, and then as my African American friends would say, you don't necessarily need to come in church and see who is on the drums today. So I, I I worship this way, and and who is on the piano next week. It just embedded into your life. This God, you you you're big God. You're this God. You're that God. You're that. And and actually, I think that, I mean, as I said earlier. That's that's how you touch the spirit, right? And 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 the, the more you embed that into your life, the more you are constantly touching the spirit. And the more you touch the spirit, the more the spirit's power anointing is available to you. The more you can save. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add to that is um, some of what you're talking about. This is this is areas where we need to learn in the vineyard. So I, I think. In the vineyard, we have uh, too low of a view of communion. This is a thing we can learn from our Anglican brothers and sisters. 
Because in an Anglican context, the center of worship is communion. And in like a Western evangelical context, the center of worship would be like the sermon or something, you know. And maybe in the vineyard context, it might be worship slash ministry time, right? We have something to give the world, but, but this is also a question that sort of like says there's something that we could receive from the world. And, it, and it's that expanded view of what worship is. So I would say like communion is really important and we need a higher view of it in the vineyard. We need a higher theology of communion. I would also say uh, even things like non-musical prayers but non-spontaneous prayers. So like one of the things we've been doing for the last several years at my church is we've been implementing lots and lots more call and response. And it actually touches a different part of your brain that is really, really beautiful. Um, Or public reading of scripture with no commentary. Like don't even say, well, you know, not even one time, just like read a text from the Old Testament, let it stand, you know? I think these are other forms of worship that we can easily, they, they commingle with modern worship perfectly. And it makes it actually more beautiful. So one of the things that we've been doing even recently is I've been having children uh, read scripture with, you know, second, between song two and three, have like a nine-year-old girl come up and read scripture. Kills every time. <laughs> literally kills. I mean, it's just like, but it's also a way for, I mean, liturgy means the work of the people. The word liturgy means the work of the people. It's like, how can we include children into the worship of God? This is one really easy way to do it. Hand them a microphone. They, they do great. Okay. That's a great answer. Yes. Go for it. Go for it, Lydia. That's a great question. So the question is about, uh, we were talking earlier about doing uh, songs which have a multicultural aspect to their music or their words, and you're saying, do you do that even if there are no multicultural people in your congregation as a prophetic act he didn't use that word but that's my word or do you wait until the congregation reflects a more diverse population and then and that's a great question i mean i'm just talking as somebody who's always loved black music and tried for 25 years to get white congregations to buy into it it's just not happening (laughs) never not not in my not for me anyway it never was happening um guys what do you think i would say it's okay to be on the leading edge right to, to build for what you want, there's a, there's a sense in, I would use the word hospitality. It's like there's a sense in which that kind of a move occasionally is making room for people. That's what, that's what hospitality is, right? It's like getting everything right for, so that when people come over, everything's taken care of, right? And so even at, even at my church, which Kentucky's really, really white, and most of the African Americans in my community go to two like historic black churches, right? We have great relationships with those churches, but the, the people who have started to show up a little bit at my church have been Hispanic people, right? So we've been probably once every two or once every three weeks throwing in a bilingual tune, and it's been great. Like, like my, my mostly white congregation goes right along with it, and they sing the Spanish, and then, and then the ladies that I have uh, who, who show up who are, who are Hispanic, they feel so cared for, right? So I think it's okay to be slightly on the leading edge there. I think it's, I would use the word hospitality. Yeah. yeah when I planted in Minnesota, that was part of the DNA right from the beginning, right? That we will do this and we trust that God will, will make us what we want us to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and, and I mean, most of, most of the lead, church leaders who complain about, about, you know, lack of diversity, 
if if you ask them what's your leadership like, it will have no diversity at all. Right, and and partly it's it's a chicken and egg situation. If you don't have diversity in 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 the visible um, expressions of what you're doing as a church, you don't expect it. People will come in and see that there's no diversity here and they'll go back, right? And so, do it uh, up until it happens, right? Yeah. Great. We've got time for like one, maybe two more questions. Go for it. How do we address accessibility, access in vision of worship? Do you have anything to add? Great question. Yeah, when, when, when we get together as leaders, I think one of the questions that has to stay with us is always who is not at the table? Who should be at the table? Right? And, 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 and that will cause us to go and look for and create possibilities for people who are needed at the table but are not there. Mm. Beautiful. That's a pretty good way to finish. We are done on time.